Man Season 3, Episode 37 of the Unknown Packers Podcast, Bryce welcomes Cody Cartagena to the UPP studio. While Tony has covered his fair share of high-profile sports teams, including the LeBron James-led Cavaliers, you may know him best from his time as the producer of the William Tao Show on ESPN Milwaukee. Tony breaks down his Packers fandom, followed by talk of the new-look training camp, possible double duty for players, as well as surprise names that could end up making the 53-man roster. There's a lot to absorb in this one, Packers fans. And now it's time for Tony Cartagena on tap. so much for following the Unknown Packers podcast. Touchdown! Dagger! Al Harris, 56 yards to a game-winning touchdown! Green Bay Packers! Go Pack! Go! Running isn't everything, but it's the only thing. Green and yellow, green and yellow, green and yellow, green and yellow. Unknown Packers podcast. Green and yellow, green and yellow, green and yellow, green and yellow. And let me tell you this, Green Bay is a great town. And welcome to the Unknown Packers podcast for our latest guest episode, continuing with our Tuesday, August 11th release of Tony Cartagena on tap. And speaking of, let's welcome Tony Cartagena to the Unknown Packers podcast for his own self-titled episode. First and foremost, how are you doing, Tony? And welcome to the Unknown Packers podcast. I'm doing well. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, The pleasure's all mine. I'm thrilled to learn a little bit more about you. And I had mentioned this in the pre-production that you've got a diverse background when it comes to our guests that we've had. We've had some Packers beat writers. We've had Leroy Butler on. And I'm really curious to learn a little bit more about your background in the sports world, covering the Packers, Bucks and Brewers. But first and foremost, I'm curious, how did you come across the Unknown Packers podcast? How did how did we connect? Uh, well, I first came across the the podcast and all the great work you guys do at the Unknown Packers podcast from uh, basically just searching around Twitter. I mean, I feel like most fans these days, whether it's during a game or during an Aaron Rodgers press conference availability or whenever some news breaks, you know, people take to social media, mostly in the sports world because it's so live, mostly to Twitter. And uh, I came across it that way and just saw some of the Packers content. And um, I am a huge supporter of any time someone is trying to do somewhat of a grassroots, whether it's podcast or blog or things like that. And as long as it's good content and respectable and not just, you know, two talking heads just throwing nonsense out there, um, I think it's great. So I, I, I am a supporter of all types of initiatives like that. And uh, because, you know, not everyone can, uh, you know, listen to ESPN or Fox Sports or, you know, the cowherds or the Baylesses of the world all day and not want to just drive themselves insane. So <laughs> I feel like whenever you can find some local just Packers passionate fans or reporters or analysts that are really putting their time and effort into into what they do, how, how could you not support it? I love it. I love the stamp of approval, and uh, I already know that this is going to be a wonderful episode. And thank you so much for everyone that's tuning in to Tony Cartagena on tap. And first and foremost, who are you? <laughs> you you talked about how you've covered LeBron James and the Cavs for ESPN, and then you also talked about that you helped cover the Packers on Wilby and Touch. Talk about the, those are two different sides of the spectrum, and that's what I mentioned. You have this diverse background that I find so intriguing. So talk about that, that experience, how that came to be, and 
and uh, your overall experiences with that? Yeah, definitely. So I would like to say it was a bunch of, you know, hard work and elbow grease. But I feel like when I look back, um, I went to the University of Wisconsin, uh, graduated there. I t- it took kind of an extra victory lap, needed a little science credit to make up, you know, that whole deal. But um, I finished up there in, in 2013. And I feel like since then, I've just been unbelievably lucky. Um, I interned at ESPN Madison while I was a oh, student. Nice. I started as I was like 19 years old. I was a junior in college. Um, so this would have been like early or this would be like 2012, 2013 and um, started interning there. And I, I pretty much just never left their offices. Um, I was helping cover the Badgers for them and doing just very, very basic writing, uh, really learning how to interview players and getting to know some some of the guys on the football team and the basketball team and kind of, you know, practicing with live interviews, whether it was recorded or on air in a limited role. And um, after that, I was working at, uh, after I graduated, I was still with ESPN Madison and covering Badger games, hosting shows on the weekends, whenever, you know, if it was two hours a week on the air, I was, you know, anxious to jump on, jump all over that. And then, July of 2014, LeBron announces that he's going back to Cleveland and ESPN Madison is owned by Good Karma Brands. Uh, They own ESPN Milwaukee, ESPN West Palm, and a bunch of ESPN Chicago. Now they're they're great. And they also own ESPN Cleveland. And the owner calls me up one Sunday morning and asks if I had any interest moving to Cleveland. I would have been in a uh, in a like a sales assistant role, but also an opportunity to cover the Cavaliers. And I had not the the resume to take on such a position, but I was like, absolutely, let's make this happen. So I was basically doing, you know, two jobs, covering the Cavs and, and working in the sales office. And the talent that I got to work with and learn from every single day was incredible. Um, the team at ESPN Cleveland, amazing. Still guys I keep in close contact with today, but I ended up, they end, you know, a couple months in, they ended up dropping the sales assistant role, and I ended up being on the on the air on eight fifty WKNR oh, nice. in afternoons. I learned how to produce live radio and was working with some of the most talented guys. It's actually um Aaron Goldhammer and Emmett Golden, and they both now do ESPN national shows on occasion. And um, so I was producing from it for them in Cleveland. I was covering the Cavs, writing every day, and then I was also hosting a show with Brian Windhorst, who anyone who knows basketball knows who Wendy is and his relationship mm-hmm. with Cleveland and LeBron and him and I were doing a weekly show dedicated to the Cavaliers. And that was, that was awesome um, because the eyes and ears around that show were pretty incredible. And then just being in an NBA arena with so much attention, um, just mm-hmm. getting to know the, every player on that team very, very well. And then all the media people that were around that team very well, it was such a lucky experience for me uh, to learn. And I learned so much. And I think, you know, even today, everything I do, even, you know, recording this podcast, learning different techniques, learning from what other people are doing, how I can kind of make it my own. But I got an opportunity after two years in Cleveland to move back to Wisconsin. I'm originally from Milwaukee. And I got to the opportunity to produce for Jason Wilde and Mark Tauscher. They were Nice. Just about to launch Wilde and Tausch on ESPN Wisconsin. Uh, they asked me if I'd be interested. And I grew up in, in Milwaukee, a Packers fan, and had the opportunity to work with the, in my opinion, and this is no offense to anyone else on the beat, uh, the best beat writer that the Packers have. Uh, someone 
I told him this down the lot years later. Um, I used to listen to Wildy call in to Dave and Carol on oh Milwaukee. man, back, so did way I. back, like on my way to this was like when I was in third grade and I would get dropped off at school, and like the yeah. timing would just work out. And I told him that years later, I was like, "Hey, I used to listen to you when you would call in to KLH and." Uh, I was in like third grade and you had already been on this job for 15 years because he hated when I would uh, call him old. But, uh, <laughs> um, and then obviously the, uh, the, the other half of that duo was an inspiration growing up because he was from Wisconsin, played for Wisconsin, ends up playing for the Green Bay Packers. And uh, one of the bigger underdog stories turned Packers Hall of Famer ever. Um, yeah, Pouch. no so kidding. That was just a absolute uh, dream job right there. And then, we had a had, man when that show started. We had some technical issues where <laughs> I didn't know how long we were going to be on the air, and then uh, oh, it, no. that show ended up taking off and was awesome. And um, you know, a couple stops in some media uh, spots later, I ended up back in Milwaukee where I was covering the Bucks and getting to see you sign uh, press conferences after. Yeah, that's wild. Uh, Post game, and then uh, cover the Bucks and the Brewers. And now, when I look back on it, I. This is why I said I was super lucky, and I apologize for the long-winded answer. But no, I love it. Post college, well, in college, getting to cover some of those Badger teams, you know, three straight Rose Bowls while I was a student, yeah. it was pretty awesome. And then from LeBron to uh, Rogers, and you know, the championship games against the Falcons that the team made it to, and then to Giannis and Yelich, like it's just been extremely lucky and. Um, I'm just very grateful to be in uh to be in a position to be able to cover sports and uh kind of just spread news and look at things differently and uh really get to know the guys that so many people adore for what they can do hopefully off the floor but what they can do on the field or on the court. I love it. And yeah, no apologies. This is all <laughs> just really inspiring information. And I also didn't know that we I knew that we had crossed paths, but I didn't know where. And so talking with you about my work was interpreting for Coach Bud and his press conferences and you being there and now us connecting, talking Green Bay Packers, talking about your background. And you you, you mentioned it a little bit, but I'm really curious. So you're born and raised in, in Milwaukee. Yep. Essentially, when you're born in Wisconsin, uh, you, you come into this world as a Green Bay Packers fan. So that's pretty automatic, I'm assuming. But when was that, when was that moment? I do have a quick side story on that for you. I, wasn't, I love it. I wasn't always. And I'll get the years screwed up here. But do you remember starter jackets? Like the, the oh, yeah. zip-up starter jackets? All right. Oh, yeah. So when I was younger, I, my mom's from California. She, they moved to Wisconsin when she was like, probably before she was even a teenager, but either it was because that was the jacket we could afford at the time, or it was the California connection. I actually had a San Francisco 49ers one. Oh, the plot thickens. So when I was like five, six years old, I liked the Packers. Obviously, I think that was the year. Like, I, I remember rooting for the Packers when they won. I was very young, but when they won the Super Bowl against the Patriots and then against the Broncos when they lost the following year. And then I think the year after that was the Terrell Owens catch in the end zone in the playoffs. And um, so I was wearing a 49ers starter coat to school. And um, but I was still young, didn't really know, you know, you know, whatever. And uh, but I still I was a huge Terrell Owens fan no matter what. And um, 
And then the Packers lost that game, obviously. And then like a week or two later, my mom surprised me with a Packers starter jacket. I see. um, So it's the starter jacket. Yeah. um, I think it was probably just because (laughs) the backlash I probably faced at elementary school. (laughs) A Niners jacket, but... Um, and then oh, after man. they lost, they went on sale probably. So that's how I ended up with, yeah, uh, right. <laughs> with the Packers one. And it was kind of, kind of history from there. So I will always have a soft spot, uh, for the Niners, but, um, no, I am a, I don't think I, I wouldn't have lasted in my family around my uncles, uh, had I, had I remained a not diehard fan of the green and gold. I love that story. I love that backstory. You made the right decision <laughs> and we're, we're all figuring it out as we go and we, we adapt, we make changes. And I was a huge Bo Jackson fan as a kid. Nice. So I'll be, I'll be honest, you know, I've been a Packers fan since birth. If you tuned into our latest episode, I talk about my experience on how my father became a Packers fan, him being deaf. And so it, it's been, in, you know, it's been indoctrinated into our family, but I was a huge Bo Jackson fan, still am. So I remember growing up initially rooting for the Packers and the Raiders, the Brewers and the Royals, Oh, nice. just because I love Bo Jackson. But it was one of those things where I was always a Packers fan, but that second team was the Raiders, surprisingly. Yeah, and I feel like now my time it, it's weird England. to have that. Oh, sorry for interrupting. I, I was going to say, I feel like no. my time in Cleveland has given me a major soft spot for the Browns as well. That Oh, interesting. Okay. One of, one of so what teams. about the Cavs then and LeBron? Uh, that's a little bit different because that was so work-related. Um, yep. Like, I, I, I very much like LeBron and I have to, you know, him going back to Cleveland opened up some doors for me. So selfishly, like, yeah. I like his game. But um, seeing the passion of Cleveland, like, we think Packers fans are crazy. Uh, I can uh, here one one more quick side tangent on, on fanhood. No but, problem. Um, when I moved to Cleveland, I the first weekend I was there, I had driven from Milwaukee, and so obviously I needed to stop at the gas station like immediately. And I had a uh, at the time I had Packers checking or whatever. Like there was a G on, oh, my, yeah. on my debit card, and I stop at the gas station, and for whatever reason the pump doesn't work. Um, and then I go in. And I had to, I told my mom the story and I uh, pay at pay inside and the gas station attendant tells me that this is Brown's country and like, oh, did like no. a cheer and she was like, here we go brownies. Here we go. And barked. And I was so confused because I had never heard that before. And then I realized that's like how people in Cleveland greet each other 12 months out of the year. And I thought it was the most amazing thing ever. <laughs> well, if we've got more tangents. I love them because I'm getting a kick out of them, obviously. And I didn't even, it didn't even dawn on me. I was like, oh, that's right. I was a huge Bo Jackson fan growing up. So I appreciate your perspective <laughs> as well. And I'm curious though, uh, my second guest question, who, who would be your favorite current Green Bay Packers player and who was your favorite past Green Bay Packers player? Oh, I current, I have to go with Rogers. Um, yes. There are a lot of guys on the team that I like, but I will forever be a huge Aaron Rodgers fan and Aaron Rodgers supporter. Like there's, Same. there's no doubt in my, it's, did any, I mean, I can hear from you too. like the video of him this past week with Kyle Grant oh, yeah. talking about like, the writing on the wall and if this is his last two years and he thinks that he's probably done in green Bay. Like I don't like watching that at all. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's traumatic for me too. I, I'm with you. And the one thing that, that uh, takeaway with Rogers is gosh, he's so 
unless he is, and I don't even believe it, unless he's the world's greatest actor, this fraudulent actor, I, which isn't true, he is just the most genuine, authentic, consistent person. He can answer questions cerebrally, authentically. And I think for me, that just made me love him even more, support him even more. And now these hypotheticals. So for me, I don't think there'll ever be a scenario like Favre. Like, cause I still don't. Like, I've I've forgiven him, I guess, but I haven't forgotten that they were right at the doorstep. The Vikings could have won this Super Bowl with Brett Favre. That's true. It's just something that I just cannot I, I just can't give it up. I can't. And for Rodgers, uh, unless he pulls a 180, I just think he gets it. And I hope that it's not true. I hope that the writing isn't on the wall and he rides off into the sunset as a Packers. But I'm glad that because you're like probably the third or fourth person that has talked about Aaron Rodgers. And it's interesting how people will mention like it's got to be Rodgers. And for me, it's like, yeah, I love Aaron Rodgers. It's 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 automatic. Yeah. And, and there, there are some other guys on that team, obviously, that you are fans of or pay attention to, whether it's, I think David Bakhtiari is great. Um, yeah. Devontae Adams, um, Aaron Jones might be the most respectful player in the league, uh, despite him waving in that one game and getting fined for it. He's an awesome person <laughs> to talk to. Like there's our Mason Crosby, like there are great people to root for, but there's something I think, whether it's longevity and just, you know, the quarterback position and stuff, obviously, but no, he's, he is great to root for. Um, but to actually, to, Looking back to answer your full question, I was a huge Antonio Freeman fan growing up. Um, nice. I think it had a lot to do with you know the flashy wide receiver, um, yep, uh, and and the first name uh, was very relatable yeah. to me, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think as a very young kid, that was like, oh, Antonio Freeman, this is awesome. Um, but Charles Woodson to me is an all timer for sure. Uh, without it. question, but I, my I, dog is named after Charles Woodson. That's so. What's is it, Charles or? Uh, it's Woodson, and we call him Woody oh, for short. Even better. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I was a huge fan of him and El Harris, um, and oh, I, yeah. I think it was kind of just like the the DBs and just like the kind of the swagger they bring to the game. And defensive backs are always like the more average sized human being, so I feel like you can relate to them a little bit better than. Um, you know, you're six, six offensive lineman. <laughs> so absolutely. Um, I always thought those guys were pretty cool. And then after playing, I, it's really hard not to be, I liked him as a player, but uh, to go back to Tausch, like it's really hard not to be a fan of someone you get to know so well, who is just like one of the greatest people that you'll ever come across. So I love it. So, yeah. So like, I, I know that's not just one player, uh, all time favorite, but, um, it's really hard to pick. It's like picking your favorite color m M&M. you just can't pick one right i love the analogy too and I, I love these guest episode questions and i say it every guest episode that that's the true gift of podcasting is connecting with people getting to know their backgrounds a little bit more getting nostalgic and then also learning about the team that we love mm-hmm. that is the biggest takeaway for me with uh doing the unknown packers podcast and as we wrap up the first half of tony cartagena on tap what is your favorite Packers memory? And you can bend the rules a little bit. There can be a couple. Uh, the most immediate one is obviously the Super Bowl against the against the Steelers. Mm-hmm. Um, watching that just kind of unfold the way. Do you know what? It might not even be the Super Bowl itself. That was amazing. But that run that they went on, the journey. What is it? 
um, was it Michael Vick and the Eagles yep. that that year? And Al Harris interception right at the end of the uh, his time expired, and the Eagles were the team. Like we didn't have any run game. Like yeah, yeah that was, was the first because we went on the road. It was uh, what's that? Who was, it was Starks? Oh yes, James Starks. So yep. Brandon we, Jackson was like the pass pro dude, <laughs> and yeah, Starks went on fire in in uh, the playoffs as well as the whole team. So completely just random, you know, backfield there. But I just think that whole run that they went on because didn't they have to win a few games to get into the playoffs as well down the stretch? Yeah, dis- yeah, because uh, far or far, jeez, uh, Rogers had gotten hurt mm-hmm. and. We got, I want to say, you know, just we got lucky. I mean, I think Deshaun Jackson. He is the key. Uh, his yeah. punt return. And then we also had to take care of business, too. Uh, we had to beat the Lions. We had to beat the Bears. And the Giants, I feel like, for some reason. Yeah. Like and in Green Bay. That, right, in December. And and then in the playoffs, we had to go on the road three straight times. No team had ever done that. So Philadelphia, Atlanta, and then the Chicago Bears. Yeah, that run. And that's another reason why I love these questions is because you look back and you're like, damn, that run was chef's kiss. It sucks how long ago it was. Like, it doesn't seem like it ten, been it's been a decade. Ago, man, Holy cow. It's been a while. Um, and then my other moment would be just as a Freeman fan, the, was it the Monday Night Miracle, I think it was yeah. called, when now Michael's, you know, yeah. he did what and caught it off of his back. Um, was that with Chris, Chris Dishman? I, I, think I think so. I think Dishman was the guy that was like he didn't catch it, he didn't catch it, and then Freeman popped up and yeah, still one of the weird throwing the finger in the air. I think I've ever seen that was one where I was uh, I feel like too young to stay up for overtime on Monday Night Football, and I fell off the next <laughs> yeah. morning. I think I dozed, yeah, that, I dozed off on the couch or something because I definitely don't remember watching that live, but I have seen the highlight a bajillion times. Oh yeah, and I, I mean I I was a senior in high school when that happened, and. Randy, I moved from Appleton, Wisconsin to the other side of the state, La Crosse, Wisconsin, my sophomore year of high school. We were just back-to-back Super Bowl representatives, winning one, should have winning the second one. And then Randy Moss got drafted, and then the Vikings went on a little tear for the next two, three years. And so I I hate the Vikings. I do. I I feel like I'm a kind, nice person, but I just hate (laughs) the Vikings. And for that to happen with the Vikings and having Viking fans, I had never really come across any Viking fans in Appleton. Mm-hmm. So to get there, and I'm just going to address the elephant in the room, how fair weather they were, especially the ones that I was around, to see them after the Randy Moss era and how they weren't Viking fans, that just, I mean, even grinded my gears. And then Favre goes to the Vikings, so the plot thickens. But speaking of tangents, um, getting back on track, and I love the guest episode questions. I think you hit it all the ballpark. I love your background. I can't wait because we're going to talk about some current Packer news right after this commercial break. Go Pack Go. This episode is brought to you by Sonic Transformation. Here at Sonic Transformation, we believe that every good audio project starts with a good foundation. We want to help you build that foundation, whether it be through commercial products or things you have around the house. No job is too big or small. We can make your podcast sound the best it can with what you have and a little nudging along the way. No equipment? No problem. Our consultants can help you get set up on your budget and in your space. Do you already have an established podcast but don't have the time to edit or just wish it sounded better? We can take care of that for you as well. Check us out at www.sonictransformation.com. Again, that's www.sonictransformation.com. 
Sonic Transformation. Your sound refined. We are back with the second half of Tony Cartagena on tap, your own self-titled episode. And we get a little snapshot of your background, working in sports, also being a Packers fan, your favorite memories. And now let's let's shift gears and we're going to talk a little modern, current Green Bay Packers. And with a typical training camp, teams would already be practicing in pads. During this training camp, the start of camp has been limited to COVID tests and physicals. Teams will ease into football for the next couple weeks as we're experiencing right now, and their first padded practice is August 17th. What are your thoughts when it comes to training camp and the new look of the NFL season? I guess the first thing I think of is injuries. And um, unfortunately, that's the very narcissistic kind of negative view on things. But Mm -hmm. training camp, as much as it is about, you know, familiarity and getting the plays and the playbooks and things like that, these the guys in the locker room, they are pros. And uh, a lot of them, fortunately for Green Bay, have been there. Um, Last offseason, it would have been a different story. You know, when you're bringing in Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith and uh, Adrian Amos and these new guys to the fold, that they needed that time to acclimate. acclimate. But those guys have been there for a while now. So the way I kind of look at it is more so training camp is just a function of getting your body right after a long off season and getting back into quote unquote football shape and game shape, but also uh, being able to just get into that rhythm. So you're not worried about those uh, soft muscle uh, injuries, whether it's the hamstrings or the quad poles and, and things like that. So that's one of the concerns that I have. And uh, I think the Packers have a great training staff, but I just think going from, an elongated off season and not being in the team facility for as long as they were like guys, you, you can work out at home, but things are just a little bit different. So then when you kind of hit the ground running and as physically demanding as the NFL is, um, I would be a little bit concerned about, you know, guys coming up after taking their first hit and just, you know, you call it shaking the rust off, but just being a little bit more sore than they were um, in years past. And I know the extra rest is great uh, for such a physical game, but that's one of the concerns I would have, but also just the um, just the time to to look like a football team. You know how people throw that cliche midseason form out there. Um, yep. Midseason form usually happens after three or four preseason games, and then like five regular season games after a month of practices. And now, if they play games, it's going to be a month. Was it three weeks? August seventeenth to the start of the season, like a month maybe yep. of of legit practices and. With the CBA, they're not really running two-a-days. They don't have full contact each day. Uh, I just feel like it's going to look like an unrefined product at first. Uh, just, you know, some timing things and, and, and whatnot. But my biggest concern is going to be those injuries. And I'm glad that you mentioned that. That I've been fixated on COVID. I mean, rightfully so. I've been fixated on testing and what the NHL has shown and the NBA as well as the Premier League uh, over in Europe. And you're seeing what's happening with the MLB right now. And I get these concerns about what, with not having a bubble location or a bubble league, I I feel like what's going to happen is what we're experiencing with the Major League Baseball League is going to happen with the NFL. So that's been always my priority is, all right, what's going to happen when someone tests positive? Are they going to have a quarantine quarterback like Coach LaFleur has talked about? Are they going to have a quarantine 
linebacker, all this stuff. But you hit it out of the ballpark again because you're right. No OTAs, no mini camp for rookies. No rookie mini camp, OTAs, mini camp, and and training camp. Right now, I mean, it's crazy to think that we'd experience our second preseason game already. You know, yeah. as this episode releases, which is wild to think about. We'd already have experienced training camp and and all that. So for you to talk about the soft muscle tissue injuries, which is something that has plagued the Packers in the past, I know that it'll be a trigger once that comes up again, if it's due to, like you said, shaking off the rust. But, you know, when looking at, I love uh, Wes Hockowitz and uh, Wes Hodden, there's a question in that Packers inbox. And I, I thought this was pretty interesting. This is a question that a fan had proposed to him. Has the coaching staff talked about increasing their efforts to train players in multiple positions, even more given the COVID list? Any chance we see a return of two-way players? And Wes responds, I don't know if I'd go that far, but I would imagine there'll be as much cross-training with certain position groups, offensive linemen learning multiple spots, tight ends knowing fullback and receiver duties, safeties working at inside linebacker as time will allow. Talk about availability, accountability, dependability, versatility. That's what I'm saying, especially after listening to Gutekunst and Lafleur, Devontae Adams, Rogers, Corey Lindsley. It's all about the accountability. What's your take on versatility? Versatility seems to be the key word when it comes to what the Packers will do when they assemble the roster. Yeah, so I guess I should have prefaced my first answer by saying, you know, my number one concern is obviously the safety of the players and, and COVID and making sure they they kind of figure that out uh, in terms of being able to Oh, for games. sure. I wasn't minimizing oh, that. Oh, no. I just, I loved your answer. I just, um, I look at baseball and I think like, all right, if the if mm-hmm. St. Louis Cardinals, you know, a couple of them went golfing, a couple of them went to a casino in Milwaukee, both things that are open. And if they had to get quarantined because a couple people got it, like if XYZ player from Green Bay stops for food on his way home, you know, could this shut down the NFL? And so um, crazy. I, it's crazy to think about. Um, I think a bubble is necessary as the NBA has shown as MLS, the WNBA, even the, the basketball yep. tournament. Um, they, they all figured it out, but it'll be very interesting. And I, I just hope that the best interests of the players and their families are put forth more so than the revenue but it's the NFL, so I'm always going to be skeptical. <laughs> but um, <laughs> yep. that being said, um, uh, I used to work with some players who said the um, or former players who said the best ability is availability. So yep. if you're on the roster and you're healthy, uh, they're going to try to play you as often as as effectively as possible. And I wouldn't go as far, kind of like West Hod said, with saying you know there could be two way players. This isn't. Latroy Guyon in the NFC Championship game where he lined up uh, on the offensive line. Um, But I think there is just the way the uh, the way the Packers appear to be kind of changing up their scheme a little bit, whether it's um, a fullback or a halfback that can kind of line up in the in the tight end position uh, and vice versa. Um, DeGuara, the guy, the kid, I believe out of Louisville, maybe Um, Cincinnati. Oh, Cincinnati. And then. um, Yep. And even Jay Sternberger, who um, kind of has that size, like we saw them in the backfield just in a couple sets. Uh, As long as they get those reps, that wouldn't be shocking to me. But I think those kinds of things would have happened anyways, uh, just with the way it seems uh, LaFleur is is approaching the offense this season. And then defensively, like you said, 
Mike Pettin. So I, Mike Pettin was the head coach in Cleveland when I was, when I was there the first year. And so I got to be familiar with kind of his style and he's always moved guys around uh, a little bit. Ibrahim Campbell, who played for the Packers, obviously, but he was in Cleveland, I believe undrafted out of Northwestern uh, in his first few years. And much like Morgan Burnett, he would come down in kind of like that, hybrid safety inside linebacker role and mm-hmm. Pettin has showed that a little bit uh, in Green Bay, I believe. So things like that wouldn't surprise me on that side of the ball either. I don't think we'll see, um, let's just say they bring back Tremont Williams. I don't think we'll see him lining up in the slot uh, at receiver anytime soon, but yeah. um, or Kevin King or anyone like that. But uh, I can see them just being more creative on both sides of the ball and putting guys Really, I mean, it's all about putting guys in position to succeed. And if you think you have a guy that can play, um, he's more of a defensive end, but you think he can, you know, play standing up as a as an outside linebacker in the three four, then I think they'll roll with that too. And it's amazing because now we're getting into all these different video conferences. You had general manager Brian Gutekunst, head coach Matt Lafleur, Devontae Adams, Aaron Rodgers, Corey Lindsley, to name a few, and the also reading big fan of bill huber and reading his articles great, great and the thing that re- i love it and th- i've been reading a lot of bill huber and then tying it into these video press conferences and the thing that really the big takeaway for me is when they talk about how just imagine if this was happening last year first year rookie head coach i know that a lot of people are upset that we didn't draft a wide receiver. But keep in mind, our wide receiver core outside of Reggie Begleton have been the same since 2018. This is the second year in their system. You've got a third-year defensive coordinator, Mike Pettin. You've got the second-year experiences of the four, uh, the fab four, as I like to call them, was Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith, Adrian Amos, and Billy Turner. And I know that these rookies... They've missed out on a lot of opportunities to develop and possibly contribute right off the bat. So my expectations of rookies contributing are going to be a little bit lower. They'll be there. They'll be available. But what are your thoughts of how lucky we got that the Packers are 13-3, and NFC North champions, first round by, probably could have gotten the one seed, you know, if Seattle, San Francisco would have played out. Winning a, a divisional playoff game at home against their arch nemesis in Seattle, and then getting humbled in the NFC Championship with your favorite team, the San Francisco 49ers. <laughs> they were just not kidding. my favorite team that day. That <laughs> is, that is I had sure. to. No, I had well to. That's been in the back of my mind. But I mean, I think we're pretty fortunate. If the NFL season can go on and everyone can be accountable, I think the Packers are in a real good position unless you have a lot of injuries, but because of this experience, because of Aaron Rodgers, because of all these defensive leaders. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I look at, you know, former Packers head coach Mike McCarthy. He's gonna it's supposed to have his first year in Dallas this year, right? And I forgot about I keep it seems like a very thing. long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> but he his star running back tested positive and had to deal with the ramifications of having coronavirus. Um, his starting center retired, former Badger Travis Frederick, and they had to go and draft another Wisconsin guy, actually. But So that communication with his starting center and his quarterback isn't there. They have a whole new kind of face on defense. Um, so the way I look at that is like that's a huge detriment not to be able just to be 
with guys every single day. Because let's be honest, the NFL is investing a ton of money and a ton of time into virtual and being able to talk to players and getting your playbooks on an iPad. But it's it's like the same thing with kids going back to school, right? Like you can do it online. It's just not the same for for a multitude of reasons. So not being able to take those reps as a team is just not the same as if you do them online and you're communicating via text or whatever. It's just different. So I feel like teams that don't have that built-in relationship and just that built-in chemistry, like I'll be honest, if Aaron Rodgers and Corey Lindsley don't take a snap until the game one, whenever that may be, I still Mm -hmm. feel pretty good that there's not going to be a fumble, right? Like that's just my opinion on it. I think those guys have done it long enough and Lindsley's good enough and obviously... Rodgers is Rodgers, but for some teams, imagine the Bengals. Joe Burrow's going to go out there week one because they don't have anybody else. He's going to go out there week one and hope for the best. That's scary. Yeah. And, 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 I, and I do think, especially with quarterbacks, that can totally, totally mess up your, uh, just your psyche going out there. Yeah. And because left tackles versus defensive ends, right tackles versus defensive ends, like those guys know how to block man to man, right? And mm-hmm. if Burrow gets lit up week one and has no idea that Darius Smith was coming, not that they're playing each other, but just for example, <laughs> um, that's going to mess with them a little bit. And not having those yep. practice reps in those preseason games, we're going to see that affect some rookie quarterbacks. I, I think that's for sure. So, yeah, I'm glad the Packers are in the position that they're in. They might not have the uh, the best fantasy football you know, wide receiver <laughs> core, but that's what they got and they've been together for a while. And if certain guys can take steps up and continue to improve, um, you know, hopefully they're, they're in a good position. Well, and speaking of, um, as we wrap up, getting closer, wrapping up Tony Cartagena on tap, I've got one question for you and then a pop quiz question. Ooh, I was always real bad at pop quizzes in school, but that's because you generally had to do the readings. Uh, to do well on pop quizzes. And if we could take pop quizzes on the Packers, I think we would have done, you know, I wish it would have been more of like a, a tailored approach to our education. Like, hey, just teach me NFL history. Teach me about the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, and I probably I wouldn't need that additional GPA. semester. Yeah, right. <laughs> so speaking of, you talk about what players will step up, specifically that wide receiver core. And typically we would have our 53-man roster preseason predictions here at the Unknown Packers podcast. We'd have that released back in January, or not January, back in July. And we will be unveiling that on our next episode with myself and Ken, and as well as Nebels. But who are some su- players that could surprise this year and make the 53-man roster? It's such an unusual year, uh, off-season, new look. And typically, you always have those guys. I mean, Al Lazard blew up in preseason, but he didn't make the original 53. You had guys like Shannon Sullivan that got cut by Philadelphia a little bit too early. We were able to pounce on him. And then he was a darling in the preseason, which carried on over to the regular season. Darius Shepard making the 53-man roster as not even an undrafted rookie. You know, he went through that pool and selected a tryout for the Green Bay Packers making the 53-man this is different now. You don't have all those different practices like you mentioned, all those different experiences. Everything's on online, and it's different. It's not the same. But n- name a player or two that fans should know about that could really push to make the 53 despite the circumstances that lay ahead. For sure. So um, I look at just kind of what the team intends. It sounds like, you know, intends to do in terms of, of the run game. And I know he was on the roster last year as a draft pick, but Dexter Williams out of, uh, out of Notre Dame. Um, 
Okay. I wonder if he is uh, just a guy that they're keeping their eye on as someone who can make an impact. Um, it's going to be tough, obviously, just because Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, and and I feel like they've signed and released about 18 fullbacks by the time. Yep. Um, <laughs> like the uh, it was about a week or so ago, the picture of the fullback with the with the mullet. Uh, yeah, Elijah Wellman. Yeah, and th- that popped all over Twitter, and then. I think the, a day or so after that picture kind of went viral and people were like, oh, fullbacks, got to love them. Then he got cut. So yeah, he was gone. Yeah, that was short-lived. <laughs> um, so I feel yeah. like they've, they're have they putting an emphasis on the run game. So maybe a guy like uh, like Williams. And I think it's I'm biased because I saw the, I don't know if it was E60, or there's like a longer feature about his experience and uh, his experience with his mom and being at school and... Um, so he was a guy that I kind of just paid attention to just because of his backstory. But you want to talk about underdogs uh, and Packers.com did a story on him way back in May and I will butcher his name. So uh, bear with me, but Mark Antoine, is it Decoy? Oh yeah, Decoy. Decoy. Um, yeah. I have no idea. I don't know anything about him other than the stories I've read and they've all been very, he's lightning fast. He's completely an afterthought but he impressed the heck out of everyone who watched him. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I looked up his picture and he's got the long Clay Matthews hair. So like how can he's got the long locks? Yeah. How can you not think that he's a perfect fit for uh, the Packers defense? So uh, just those two guys in general, I know they are going to look at some, you know, generally you'll have your surprise Howard greens of the world and have some, you know, some beef on that defensive line really come through. I think they really like their offensive line. Like Elton Jenkins was such a steal. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Um, and obviously they have, you know, the likes of Billy Turner, they bring in Ricky Wagner, which uh, that also seems like decades ago that that happened. So yeah, I feel like they, for the they have some consistency and some likes. Um, he's just been beaten up for so long, but Oren Burks, if he can actually stay healthy, yep. they have crazy high hopes for him. Um, so there's a couple different guys like Burks, obviously in the system, Williams and and Mark Antoine probably more of a more of long shots. But um, you know this is such a weird year. You know one one injury or one you know needed player for a week. If they can make an impact, they might find themselves a home. So I look at those kind of guys as just like my really good feel good stories that I'm going to root for. I love it. And uh, Dexter Williams, that was a surprise. Um, not a lot of people are talking about him. You see a lot of these early predictions when it comes to the 53-man roster, you don't see Dexter Williams' name. Oh, I had to look up um, if he was still on the team when you sent me this question. (laughs) I just had to double-check because, you know, they make transactions all the time. But um, obviously Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams will be there. But, you know, who knows? I mean, he showed a little bit on the practice squad last year. So if he can get an opportunity, if, you know, someone misses a week or has to quarantine for 7, 14 days, you know, next man up and see what he can do. Yeah, that's a great point. And uh, Decoy, too, from the University of Montreal, uh, blazing speed. I mean, they had limited college tape on him. Uh, when they when they were able to get him as an undrafted free agent, his pro day, had he been able to test at the combine, he would have been in that upper echelon, that top tier at safety. So he's a guy that I'm super excited I think about. he's a little bit taller, too. Yeah, he's a, he's a big boy. I mean, he's got the red, long hair like me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yes, you can. Relate. But yeah, he's super fast. Yeah, yeah he's, he's super. Six, it three. was not what I was expecting. I thought he was taller, six three, one ninety. So put on maybe a little bit more muscle, but I'm 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 thrilled. Again, 
all the questions, your backstory, uh, your your work with sports, these questions too. Absolutely enjoyed having you on as our latest guest episode. And uh, the moment you've been waiting for, if you could go back in time, and I feel like you might have answered it already, but if you could go back in time and rewatch a year of Packers football, and this is like where I come up to you almost like Men in Black style where I just, you know, snap that little device and you've got no recollection of this year, but you have an opportunity to go back and watch a year of Packers football from start to finish. What year would it be? Ooh, I feel like 2011 was a lot of fun just because they won so many games. And then obviously the playoff round of that one sucked. But, you know, honestly, the improbability of the 2010 Super Bowl and, um, mm-hmm. I was in college for that and watched all the games with my roommates. And um, one of my roommates is he grew up in Milwaukee, but he's originally from Miami. And I believe the Packers lost the Finns that year uh, in a very ugly game. I don't even know if Rogers played. That might've been the game he missed with the concussion that he suffered against Detroit. But that season was so up and down. Uh, mm-hmm. They lose to the Lions. They lose to the Finns. Like those are two horrible teams. And then and the Redskins, I thought too. Yeah. And then just or to the have Wisconsin to Wisconsin football team. To, uh, to win out down the stretch. Um, it was so up and down, up and down. Every week, you either thought that they had potential to win it all or they were going to miss the playoffs. So I feel like that that may be the year. But also, 2000, uh, I'm so bad at answering pointed questions. 2007 nope. was so... Like the Favre's last hurrah. And honestly, the way yep. it ended is pretty fitting. The snow for, globe game. Yeah, it, it, it was pretty fitting ending. Uh, for the way his career, like, <laughs> let's be honest. I mean, was it? I, I believe his final throws for Atlanta, Green Bay, and uh, Minnesota, Minnesota were all interceptions. Oh, I don't know about the Jets. Oh man, that juicy nugget. Um, but you know, I obviously nothing but respect for him. But the uh, so it'd probably be actually. Yeah, I love watching Rodgers play football. It's 2010, man. That's it's 2010. Well, there- well, there you have it, uh, and we've, we've gone back to these pop quiz questions, so you get to experience uh, this moving forward. We we had a little bit of a delay. We didn't use uh, our pop quiz questions during the offseason, so thrilled to get that back in. But as we wrap up, Tony Cartagena on tap. Where can people find you throughout social media? What's your next move? Uh, so uh, pretty much uh, like to just tweet about the Brewers, Bucks, Packers, whatever random thoughts. Uh, come to mind on my Twitter page at Tony Cartagena. And uh, I sometimes don't hold back on certain political things. And uh, I apologize. I don't apologize in advance, but um, <laughs> just, you know, you might see those things, uh, things, see those things floating around. So that's pretty much where uh, I am accessible. And uh, right now my next move uh, to be completely honest is up in the air because COVID has completely screwed up a lot of plans um, but working on some things, I will definitely keep people in the loop and, uh, I will keep you in the loop as well. And, and who knows, who knows what's next, but, um, I am networking daily, let's call it to, uh, to get some things in the work to hopefully be able to, uh, to cover, cover some teams and, uh, and get back to doing, uh, what I'm very passionate about. And that's storytelling and getting to know these guys and telling their story much more than the box score. And that's one of my Mm-hmm. favorite things and also being able to tell the story of the people around the team whether it's um you and i were talking before the show in the pre-production but i you know if i'm covering the bucks i'd love to get your story out there and, and what you do with coach bud and 
and for the deaf community who gets to watch those press conferences. And, you know, I had conversations with DJ Shauna and, and people that work the team store and uniform mm-hmm. designers at Nike and things like that. So I love being able to just fully, fully embrace and cover, cover a squad. So going to get some things in the works shortly and, uh, and, and we'll see, see what happens. But until then, I still am a Wisconsinite who loves to tweet about the Packers and the Brewers and the Bucks and, uh, we'll definitely be watching along the way, and uh, I love interacting with people, so feel free. Well, thank you so much, and I, I look forward to uh, collaborating with you, whether it's uh, my role as the interpreter for the Bucks or within the Unknown Packers podcast. But thank you once again for coming on for Tony Cartagena on tap. There you have it, Packer fans. New Camp Series continues. I'm your host, Bryce Christensen, and this is the Unknown Packers podcast. Thank you so much for following the Unknown Packers podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Unknown Packers, as well as Facebook, Instagram, the Unknown Packers podcast. You can check us out on our website, theunknownpackers.com, and a variety of different podcast platforms as well. You can also say, hey, Alexa, play the Unknown Packers podcast. That's right. We're friends with Alexa. Go Pack Go. This podcast was edited and produced by Sonic Transformation. Sonic Transformation. Your sound, refined.